Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Let's go. It is tournament time. Tennessee spring practice is about to begin just a few days away. And Georgia apparently is in NCAA trouble. We'll get to all that and more. First, good morning, Caleb Calhoun. How are you? I shouldn't say good morning anymore because we broadcast different times and Soon to add a couple of, uh, I believe, radio stations near you. So I will just say good day. How about that? I'm out of that habit. No more good morning for you, Caleb. It is only good day, sir. Well, uh, we still start at 10. And for those who remember who attended Tennessee for at least a period of time, which I did, when you had the free meal plan, breakfast was served until 1030. Therefore, you get to say good morning until 1030. Okay, I can roll with that. But when when we're on all these different stations and stuff and it airs at 7 o'clock at night, it's going to sound a little bit goofy if we say good morning. So maybe we'll revisit that in a private off-the-hook sports meeting. Good Wednesday, March the whatever. Yes, that's exactly what we'll say. So good – well, I mean, some – not even broadcast. Anyway, so here we go. Off and rolling. Ron Slay scheduled to join us as March Madness is in full effect. I've got a, a friend who I haven't invited myself yet, 
but I could. I get the feeling, and he's going to Harrah's Casino for the uh, upcoming NCAA tournament. And I've often thought that the Super Bowl is a little overrated in that regard. I would rather go to uh, March Madness and the NCAA tournament if I'm going to do a casino day and sit at a sports book all day. What about you? Because you've done this before. You Didn't you do this during the Super Bowl, or when did you last do this? Uh, no, I did it last year covering the Georgia game. Did a bunch of prop bets and had a horrible game. I mean, had a horrible game. <laughs> That's horrible. all you remember. You don't remember what was on the buffet. You don't remember what the waitress looked like. You just remember that things didn't go so well at the sports book. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, the thing with March Madness is you have to be careful with this because – and I got sucked in with the Super Bowl. So I think March Madness, it depends on whether or not you're the casino or whether or not you're the gambler. If you're the gambler, you probably like the Super Bowl better. There's different ways to make money. If you're the, if, because when you go to March Madness or when you start going to a casino for March Madness, you're going to get swept up by some parlays, man. You're just, they're going to suck you in and never do that with college basketball. But there, you know, people will sit there and say, I'll take a, I'll take – they'll try to take the simplest parlays, not even, like, spread. They'll take money line parlays. Like, I'll just take all one and two seeds to win. And one of them loses when you do that. So am I allowed to invite myself because it's a potential client I really want to work with, and I'd be at a casino all weekend watching March Madness. Can I invite myself to that? Yeah, why not? Okay, I think I'll... I mean, watching watching games at casinos is actually so much more fun than watching them at home or being at a bar or even being at the game. Sweet. All right, hit that thumbs up button. Like it. We greatly appreciate that. Already a big crew on board in the morning. Raleigh says, good morning, guys. Dave, I like that jacket. Where do you get it? Uh, my mom. My mom <laughs> buys all my clothes because that's the only thing you can really buy me because if there's something I want, I just go buy it myself. <laughs> I don't like a website. And um, she... Uh, always goes to like Marshall's and gets it's polo stuff, but I, she only pays like half price because we're cheap, poor, but um, it, it is a great jacket and I love it. Thank you. And so Raleigh says, say good day. We will be beware the Ides of March says Travis. I think Tennessee should uh, Tennessee at number five in Fox sports pre spring ball poll. They should be in the top three. I'm going to give them though a little respect for having them in in the top five i'll take that and we'll we'll dive into that if not today then tomorrow so i, I kind of think that's respectful caleb you yeah i mean if they're top five in the preseason poll i mean you got i thought they should have been top five when they finished i wouldn't have had them top five in my preseason poll though so I, i'm gonna give them respect for that even although we talked about it by default we kind of did earlier this year we were like it's hard to see more than four teams better than them but it, it really is I mean, the bottom line, because you don't think TCU is going to repeat what they did. Let's assume the quarterback position works itself out at Tennessee. And then you've got Georgia's going to be Georgia. They're going to find a quarterback, I believe, although there are NCAA issues there now that we're going to talk about on the program. Um, Ohio State and or Michigan are going to be Ohio State and or Michigan despite losses. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to find four teams that are considerably better at this point. But that is football, which we will talk plenty about. We're going to have a complete breakdown of uh, spring practice and Tennessee when they get rolling position by position. But first, we've got to get to something else, and that is today's tough question, and it's brought to you by our friends at Craft Treats. Today's tough question is now. Maybe. 
Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. I already put it out on Twitter, so we'll have a good response as we get rolling here. What is good enough as far as Tennessee in the NCAA tournament? It's brought to you by Craft Treats. Craft Treats, go to crafttreats.com. They've got the CBD-infused pet treats that will help with your pet's anxiety, arthritis, indigestion issues. Use the promo code off the hook. Use the promo code off the hook. And they will take care of you. They've also got non-CBD treats as well. CraftTreats.com promo code off the hook. So the question I have for you on this Wednesday as we are tournament eve. This today, by the way, in case anybody was wondering, and I know you were, is the day where the most vasectomies in the United States of America are performed. Because you're supposed to take two days off and lay on the couch. So that's what people do. So if anybody is headed that way. God bless. I hope everything works out well. I haven't done that yet, but it's a matter of time. So, uh, goodness gracious, I got a 20-year-old and 18-year-old. I can't imagine a surprise. So, here we go. Today's tough question. What is good enough? Is it win one? Is it win two, which would be the Sweet 16? Is it Elite Eight or Final Four? So, Caleb, I'm going to put you in somewhat of a difficult predicament here. And that is, I want to ask you what you think is good enough for Tennessee fans. Not what you think is good enough, because some people have said we're pretty critical of Rick Barnes, which is fair. And I just want to ask you, what do you think Tennessee fans will say? And then, what do you think is good enough for a Tennessee basketball program that I believe has been undervalued and underrated for about 15, 20 years? I think for Tennessee fans, uh, round of 32 is good enough. I do. Um, I think they should expect Sweet 16 um, for this team specifically. But I think they're going to be okay with round of 32. That's okay, five. But, but I did something sneaky on our poll. Did you see it? What would you do? I left out round of 32. So you've either got to take... Uh, oh, no, I did leave out. No, win one would be round of 32. So I'm sorry. Continue your thought. Yes, I think round of 32 is going to be good enough. If it's round of 32, Tennessee fans are going to look at it and say, hey, we're, do- we're, we're where we wanted to be in basketball. And they're going to – and I know you hate settling, but that's what they're going to do. And I think that five straight NCAA tournaments is going to be enough. And so, yeah, now if they lose first round, talk, talking a totally different uh, conversation. The one thing that works in their favor – this year is that Zakai Ziegler being hurt gives them a works in Rick Barnes favor. Rick Barnes favor. In, okay. in, in terms of if they don't go far, we know this is not the same team without Zakai Ziegler. We've seen enough now. They don't really have an identity without him. And I mean, that's, that's why they could potentially lose the first game. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I think that based off the poll and based off talking to people, I think win one and play a tight game with Duke because they're Duke, even though most people can't name three players off Duke's team because, as you pointed out, it's not a regular season sport. I think most people would say win one and a tight game with Duke, and bam, I'm good to go. I feel good about that. Got some exposure with Duke. I don't think you should feel like that. I think you should feel like – the Sweet 16 is a bare minimum each and every year. And I know those are high expectations, but I said this before. 
uh, earlier in the week. I think that in terms of Tennessee, they should be in the final four once every five years and make the tournament each and every year. So, so I think Tennessee, Dave, Tennessee should be Duke in basketball and Alabama in football. <laughs> yes, they've got the money. Why can't they be? No, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. You're right. Um, they do have the money. They shouldn't. They sh- they have the resources to not settle for less. Okay, here we go. Um, last time Tennessee was a four seed was in 2000. They are a four seed now. Play Louisiana, then potentially Duke in the second round. How did they do back in 2000 when they were a four seed? I was there. I remember. And um, that was quite something. Uh, last time they were a four seed, uh, how did Tennessee do they were the four seed. And by the way, we talked about this yesterday. That team won to share the SEC regular season title. This team didn't come close to that. They somehow both got four seeds. You're right. That's respect for Rick Barnes versus no respect for Jerry Green. Because there's no reason that that Jerry Green team shouldn't have gotten a three or a two seed in the tournament. But they got a four seed. They won their first game against Louisiana Lafayette by five. And then they vanquished at the time the defending national champs, UConn Huskies. And what was cr- – Yeah, but you had the little fat guard who turned his ankle right before. Oh. <laughs> it was the little fat guard. I don't even remember. The pudgy guard. He had the pudgy face. He was supposed to be the next Ray Allen, and he wasn't. Anyway, he turned his ankle, and I watched him in pregame warm-ups. I was like, if I bet, I was going to bet on that game. So what you're saying is the only Sweet 16 Jerry Green could get that loaded team to was one off an injury? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much by the um, little fat guard. So they get to the Sweet 16, and what people uh, forget, there was a series of upsets by the time they got to the Sweet 16 because two-seed Cincinnati had got upset by Tulsa. Three-seed Ohio State had gotten upset by Miami. And one-seed Stanford had gotten upset by North Carolina. So Tennessee was playing not your father's North Carolina. They were playing a Posteen Smith, not yet Roy Williams, North Carolina program that was an eight-seed. And Tennessee was far and away the highest seed in this bracket and it looked like their first Final Four was en route. They got a nine-point lead against North Carolina with about, what is it, 10 minutes to go in the Sweet 16. And you bring up Julius Peppers coming in. I bring up Jerry Green decides, hey, let's just shoot a bunch of threes with 30 seconds on the shot clock the rest of the way. If Brendan Hayward doesn't get in foul trouble, they win that game easily because Julius Peppers came in because Hayward got in foul trouble and then suddenly it was like everything changed and i blame mark packer of wvlt in knoxville because he came up to me and he goes looks like they got this one which you never say during a game especially in the media because you have a vested interest because you want to go to the next site and the next site and you want to cover a final four that was a pretty good run for dave that was a uh, uh fiesta bowl super bowl women's final four and the series we're talking about against UNC in my first three months at then WNLX. So I was off and running and pretty happy about my travel schedule. But that UNC game is one they should have won. By the way, it was Khalid Alamine that was the fat UConn guard. Do you remember him now? I do not, actually. He was a pudgy little guard. He was good. Uh, be sure and click the like button. We appreciate that. And if you haven't subscribed at this point, you need to do so. So that was the last time. And I believe uh, they would have beaten Tulsa. They would have played Tulsa. So they had every opportunity to make the final four. It was laid out for them. And that just didn't happen. Now you go back to 1999. Did you mention this one lost to Southwest Missouri state by 30? Do you remember that? 
Um, I don't remember it because at the time I was living in Memphis and actually I was so young at the time that Tiger, it was like, you know, while Tennessee football was big in Memphis, the only big thing in Memphis basketball wise was Memphis basketball. Well, they played, they played Delaware uh, the week, the game before Southwest Missouri state. And my goodness, I think it was like 46 to 40 was the final. It set basketball back 15 years. They had to just redo the sport altogether. It was terrible. They were going to bring back Bird and Magic to the NBA. It was the it was the worst game I'd ever seen. And then get to get beat by Southwest Missouri State by 30. I'll never forget that. And then you go back to the Dell Ellis days as a four seed. You did some research, young man. Yes. So 1981, I believe. Um, Did I get that right? 1981. Yes. so for those who don't understand, the NCAA tournament, before 1980, did not do seeding. They just broke teams down by region and where they played. They they started the seeding thing to kind of make the brackets and regions a little more competitive, bring a little more competitive balance to it. They started that in 1980. 1981, Tennessee was a four seed. At the time, it was only 48 teams in the tournament, so Tennessee got a bye in the first round. And in the second round, they faced VCU. And in overtime, at the buzzer, Dale Ellis hit a game winner um, to make it 58-56, to which sent them to their first Sweet 16 in school history. They lost, I think, to Virginia in that Sweet 16. Um, But that was early Don DeVoe had like a six-year run where he didn't miss the NCAA tournament. And then he had like a five-year run where he never made the NCAA tournament. It was weird. Um, They had a weird couple of coaches back-to-back in DeVoe and Way Houston who loved watching his dailies. He was a big soap opera guy during the day. Um, you'd go in and <laughs> I didn't, but it's for my time. But several uh, journalists said they would go in and interview him about a piece, and he'd be watching as the world turns. Wow. All right. So, because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have anything better to do, I guess Allen was going to score. So, well, what, what Doug, are you supposed to put together as far as a game plan? Go score, Allen. Well, and, and you pointed out that Doug Dickey didn't care that he was watching daytime soap operas. No, no. Doug Dickey probably pulled up a chair and watched some with it. <laughs> so, my question then was I know that before Doug Dickey became athletic director in 1985, I did some digging. Apparently, Johnny Majors really wanted the job, he, which was common at the time to be head coach and athletic director. The basketball job? No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. The athletic director job. <laughs> you, by the way, early, early history, like all the legendary Tennessee coaches like pre Nayland, they did all coach like basketball. All college coaches back in the day coached all the sports. Um, but Majors, do you think if Majors were athletic director, do you think he would have cared about basketball or would he have approached it the same way Doug Dickey did? Same. Really? Exact, same. Uh, exact 110% the same. It, it was already starting to be not a former coach's gig. So I think it would have been exactly the same. Uh, Do you think it would have been much different? I think you would have cared about football and been over backwards. And I just think that Majors was a multi-sport athlete who was a Tennessee guy. So maybe he was the type of guy that wanted to see the other Tennessee sports do well. Like, whereas Doug Dickey was not a Tennessee guy. Um, But I go back to the Isaiah Victor incident and that's why kevin o'neill left tennessee when it looked like they were building something it was a boring offense is what they were building but they were also building some momentum and tennessee been over backwards for a defensive lineman you remember the old prop 48 days um there was a prop there's something called prop 48 in recruiting where you could show up and you could practice but you couldn't play you weren't eligible to play because your grades weren't quite good enough but they were good enough to get in school theoretically so Tennessee fought tooth and nail to make sure the defensive lineman, and you would know his name, it escapes me now, it's been so long, 
25 years. But wasn't John uh, Henderson that prop 48? That was slightly mm-hmm. before him. It was just I, I thought it was John Henderson might have been a prop 48. He, he, he couldn't play on the 98 team. You're right. He was a prop 48. So, but they fought tooth and nail to get a, a player eligible, and they didn't fight as hard for Isaiah Victor. And that is what really turned Kevin O'Neill off. And now Kevin O'Neill, let's be fair, has probably some psychological issues himself. But that was the beginning of the end, and that's why he just bolted for Marquette in the middle of the night, Lane Kiffin style. So would Johnny Majors have fought the same battles with basketball and other sports that he would have fought with football in those type of situations? And I'm talking about big-time money. I'm talking about busting it so you have those pregame kickoff classics that were so good for publicity. No, I don't think he would have fought those battles. I think he would have fought them like Doug Dickey and it was all in in football and just, eh, let's see what happens in basketball. But again, Caleb, you and I make business decisions every day. We only have so many hours in the day and there are certain things that benefit off the hook sports by 5%. And if you got to choose between that 5% or the thing that's 95%, that makes an impact in the media world. What are we going to focus on? I don't, I don't take it as a shot at those guys. I would have done the same thing, quite frankly. The only reason I do is you bring up that like, that was the golden age of college basketball. And it's almost like they missed out on the golden age of college basketball. That's fair. But you didn't have, you didn't have 39 associate athletic directors running around. So there was not enough bandwidth. Right. If you had 39 associate athletic directors, like became the case in the late 90s and early 2000s, throughout the 2000s, then yes, somebody can work on putting that Atlantis tournament together and making sure that Tennessee's in it and they play Duke and Kansas. So I I mean, but did you have a dude that was specifically assigned to that? I don't, I don't think you did back then. I could, all right. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, it was just a different world. I mean, you got to remember coaches were making assistant coaches were making $70,000 a year with no multi-year contracts. That's all they wanted. They didn't want to raise the guys in the nineties just wanted to say, can I get a two year contract? They just wanted a job. (laughs) Yeah. So that I can tell my family I'll be here. That's all they want. David Cutcliffe's coaching this guy named Manning and he was making like 125 grand, I believe. (laughs) Wow. I mean, money's gotten absurd the other direction now, but that was that was pretty absurd back then. City, heating and air conditioning, integrity matters. City, heat and air portions of the program, including this portion where we're going to break down the college football playoff. How will it compare to March Madness? Is brought to you by City, Heating and Air Conditioning. 50 years right there in Knoxville. Your HVAC unit may not need to be replaced. They can save you a ton of money. Don't make a mistake that's going to cost you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. You asked the question in our 5 a.m. production meeting, will the 12-team playoff be more exciting than March Madness? And I have to be honest with you. I say it's not even going to be close that you don't have a lead in to college basketball like you'll have with football because you pointed out the regular season is a mess in college basketball and it is. So you don't have that lead in. You're going to have a fantastic lead in of conference championship games with football 
that are much better than basketball conference tournaments. So you're going to have a lead in. You're going to have teams trying to make it. A 12-team college football playoff will be second to only in the entire sports universe in the United States of America, not counting the World Cup. It will be second only to the NFL playoffs. And the NBA is bigger than a lot of people in Tennessee realize. But at the end of the day, the college football playoff will be second only to the NFL playoffs, in my opinion. It, it will leave March Madness in the dust. Thoughts on the message board and thoughts for you, Caleb Calhoun. I'm a thousand percent on your side on this. One, it makes the conference championship games so much more entertaining because all people say they're going to be less relevant. No, they won't because every conference championship game is going to have a playoff berth at stake or a buy at stake. Every single one that uh, right. power five ones. And so you're going to be watching that Pac-12 title on a Friday night. You're going to be watching that ACC title between Pittsburgh and Miami on a Saturday. They're all going to have impact. That alone is epic. That first week, I think they're going to do, my guess is they're going to do the first round the week after the conference championship games, which, you know, I get. I would think you would have a week or two break, wouldn't you? Not the month break. Yeah, because you got bowl season. You got bowl season begins the week after that. And they already leave that date open for the Army-Navy game. I know I sound like the most unpatriotic person ever. You shouldn't shut down a whole Saturday of college football just for that game. Yes, you should. You're like a Rusky. (laughs) <laughs> back in the in the cold war days um i want to leave that alone but no. nonetheless, however it's going to happen the lead-in even if you have a two-week break is is going to be tremendous the cool thing is what's made college football neat and i say neat and i choose that word very specifically is because you've debated who the champion is in a particular year or you've debated who should be in the college football playoff that's neat doesn't make a lot of sense. It ain't logical, but it is what it is. So when when you you'll still have that neat aspect of teams that are at that 13 spot trying to get to 12. But here's what you you will have. LSU last year would have known if you win, you're going to make the college football playoff. You don't have to hope that other things fall in your favor. So LSU fans were hoping they would make it by Uh, winning last year and beating Georgia. They don't have to hope. You know that you win and you're in, so that's a playoff atmosphere. So that, to me, the combination of both is going to be pretty special, even though I'm not a big fan of the neat factor. But I like it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. That That's what – it keeps the regular season relevant because, like you said, there's – one, there's only six at-large spots or or winning your conference. So you really only have seven spots no matter – to get in. And if you're in – a lesser conference, you really only have one spot. But so there's that. So all the games still matter. And then there's the whole concept of getting a first round by, which makes the regular season matter. And if you don't get a first round by, you want to play closer to your campus in that first week, which they're going to do. So I, I agree. I, it doesn't matter that it's neat. It, 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 create, it creates a situation where you constantly have something to play for. And then when the playoff hits, I mean, look, I love bowl season. Dave, you love bowl season. But you're, I mean, if you do move it back, I'll give you that. I, I don't want them to move it back. I'm sick of the Army Navy game taking up its own time, its own day. But um, if you are going to do that, that's actually more exciting because that first Saturday of bowls is like, okay, like now we got more than just the random corporation I've never heard of in the Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> and, yes. You know, and so I think that's, and by the way, it makes 
I, I think they're going to incorporate all the major bowls into this. So none of the bowls will be consolations anymore, which I think that's the one thing the BCS did. It ruined the fact that like the Rose Bowl shouldn't be designated as a consolation bowl once every three years. The Rose Bowl every single year should have national title implications. Same with the Sugar Bowl. I agree. And if you look at some of these bowl names, I hadn't thought about this till now. They usually are the first identifier of a major economic collapse. Like there was a home rate mortgage bowl. <laughs> there was a GoDaddy.com bowl. <laughs> .com's busted. <laughs> so I don't know what you're investing in, but don't make it the businesses that name bowls after themselves. Uh, so we had a question. Can Tennessee beat Duke in the round of 32 this weekend? We talked a little football there, but let's get back to basketball for a second. Can Tennessee beat Duke in the round of 32? Yeah. Yeah, I think again, that's not an unbeatable Duke team. I don't think it'd be shocking at all if they won. I'm picking Duke personally, but I mean, I wouldn't, you know, if Duke's favored by 10, I'm taking Tennessee on the spread. So, like, yeah, I, I'm still picking, but I, I, I think they could beat Duke. What is more shocking to you? Tennessee loses the first game or makes the Elite Eight? Makes the Elite Eight is more shocking. I don't think they're making the Elite Eight. <laughs> I don't think they're losing. I don't think they're making the elite eight either, but I don't think they're losing to Louisiana. All right. Let me do my gambling odds real quick and how, how I play this. This is, how, this is why this is how casinos get you on parlays guys. Okay. Well, that's why you should never play parlays in the first place. Yes, exactly. But. They have a roughly less than 50% chance. I think of beating Duke and beating Purdue now beating both of those teams. I think it's, you know, doing a roughly less than 50% chance of something twice goes down to like less than 25%. I say they have right at about a 25% chance of losing the game Thursday. 25%. Okay, well, I go 25%. Yeah, there's a less than 25% chance that they beat both Duke and Purdue. Um, I think I would have it more along the line. Have you seen the spread on the game? by the way, on the Louisiana game? Uh, last time I checked, they were double-digit favorites, but I don't know if they're still double-digit favorites. Um, I'm looking it up now. Well, I yeah, will they're say favorite this. by 10.5. Okay, I think there's about a 10% chance they lose in the first game um, against Louisiana. I think there's about a 25% chance they something happens right in front of them in the bracket because it's crazy. It's March Madness, and they make the Elite Eight. So I'll say more likely between the two the elite eight uh coming up we are going to talk some uh realignment is the sec done expanding perhaps uh, i've been led to believe as much i'll share some of my um uh, the context of some of my interview with uh greg sankey last year and also some news coming out about uh realignment what that could mean there's i think there's going to be another move but i don't necessarily know that it's going to be before the college football playoff goes into effect next year. I'll tell you why. Stay tuned. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Off the sports. Give me two minutes. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut 
in downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to the Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. Portions of the program brought to you by Zool Beer. The official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports, xulbeer.com. Zool Beer has parking downtown, great panoramic view of the city in Knoxville, and also worldwide award winning craft beer. How about that? Pretty strong. I asked the question 
what would make you happy with March Madness? And from John, I got it depends on if the team versus Alabama shows up or the team versus Colorado shows up. That is one thing that's frustrating about this team. Please hit the like button and the thumbs up. We appreciate that. It helps us open up to more channels. And for a defensive team that should know itself, the inconsistency is befuddling, Caleb. If you're a defensive team... Shouldn't you be consistently a defensive team that's in games? And Well, they have usually been a defensive team. I want to defend their defense on that. I think there's two factors. Missouri is a different type of matchup because Missouri is just so efficient offensively shooting. And that last game against Missouri, they played without Zakai Ziegler. And again, their defense is a totally different defense without Zakai Ziegler. Most of their losses we saw this year was when their offense just got lost for long spurts and this has actually been a problem with rick barnes for a long time even the grant williams and admiral Schofield years when they were number one for four weeks they had games they had periods in those games i mean long stretches we're talking five seven ten minutes where they couldn't buy a bucket they just couldn't score um in that tournament they were a two seed they played iowa in the second round they built a 25 point lead on iowa and iowa came back and took it to overtime and they needed overtime to win I mean, so this is just, it's a Barnes thing. It's a, it, the problem is they just have these dry spells on offense. I mean, just long and insane dry spells that just want to make you want to pull your hair out when you're covering them. Want to talk some expansion or lack thereof. Also how that will affect the pack, whatever it is now, I'll just fill in a number. It seems like it changes from day to day and the big 10, but first, uh, it is my favorite segment because it's based off Norm McDonald. You got to love Norm. Give me on the message board what would make you happy with March Madness. How deep does Tennessee uh, need to go to uh, to make you pleased with the run and this season? But first, it's time for what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. Today brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. I can see I had LASIK, no glasses, no contacts. It's unbelievable. I can see up close and see far away, and they're local. You'll love Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. So this coming from Jason McIntyre. Now, Jason McIntyre is with Fox Sports, so I haven't seen this reported elsewhere. This, this is pretty new, but I expect it to spread like kudzu, as my grandfather used to say. He says on a tweet, sounds like we're going to hear in the coming days, weeks about the uh, Georgia Bulldogs football program and recruiting violations. NCAA is doing more than poking around nervous football office right now in Athens. My quote guess is slap on the wrist. So I'm. What I, I know that there are a lot of Georgia fans out there. They're going to say, oh, these guys are a couple of homers for Tennessee. But if you followed the program, you're not. There, There is an issue that is um, beginning to cultivate itself in Athens. And it is, it is a mindset that I believe stems from the head coach and his ultimate desire and need to better his mentor, Nick Saban. And I believe that discipline – has been an issue. I think that's very evident in the drag racing things that they've had going on. And it cost a couple of people their lives, which is absolutely 
just terrible. And it's not the first time that's been an issue. So I think there is a tendency to look the other way by the administration at Georgia. I also think there is a growing problem in terms of the way that program is run, and that is all business, all business, all business. Now, we talk about the NIL and how it can help Tennessee and other programs bring people in, Caleb, but it also gives players the opportunity to say, you know, this ain't right. I'm not having a good time. I'm out. And some good players are doing that. These aren't just terrible players that can't find a spot on the roster. Some good players are leaving, and that's going to continue to happen. And I believe that Georgia is the old-school Alabama system from early in Nick Saban's career. They're incredibly hard on players. And I believe from somebody that has knowledge of both programs that you look at a Tennessee, and loving isn't the right word I'm looking for, but – there, there is more of a family atmosphere, which I believe you're going to have to have some of that moving forward or your players are going to transfer. So what the H is, what's going on in, in Georgia? Despite winning two national titles, I think there are some significant cracks in the armor as far as from a culture standpoint, big-time culture standpoint, and a driven to succeed at all costs standpoint which could be why the ncaa is sniffing around your thoughts on georgia am i bringing up valid concerns or am i reaching a little bit too early i respect your opinion you can be honest but this person that told me this has knowledge of both programs and said it's run completely different uh georgia is than a lot of other other programs currently one being tennessee so your thoughts caleb i agree I think we need to add a little bit of context to this, though. Um, You're right. It could be about Kirby Smart one-upping Nick Saban. I think it's about the administration, and I'm going to tell you why. Georgia, and, you know, a lot of Tennessee fans ever wanted to admit this, but it was true. For the most part, outside of, like, a ring-selling scandal or something like that, under Mark Rick was the ultimate model of integrity for college football. Yes. I mean, they were what you wanted a program to represent college football to be about. Yes. They sacrificed winning. Sold their souls would be another term. Yes, that is true. Well, they sacrificed winning to a certain degree because of it. And they tried to make that case, by the way. I remember one week, it was one year they were playing Alabama. This was when Mark Rick was there. It must have been 2014, 20, might have been Mark Rick's last year, 2015. The week leading up to it, the somebody in the administration basically said, you know, we're just at a disadvantage from Alabama because we try to do things the right way, yada, yada, yada. And Alabama blew them out of the water. And by the way, I somewhat agreed with that because Nick Saban, I'm not saying Nick Saban cheats. I'm not saying he's a dirty coach or anything like that. I've always felt Nick Saban. Here's been my feeling on Nick Saban, Dave. I feel like Nick Saban will push the boundaries just as far as he can push them without getting into serious trouble. He looks at how can I manipulate and push the boundaries that probably is not very, um, that there's not a lot of integrity to what I'm doing, but it's technically not breaking any rules if that makes sense or it's not bringing any serious rules and under mark rick georgia did the opposite i do think they may have sold their soul a little bit but in their defense they were probably like we're not winning any national championships other schools are they're rubbing it in our face that we're not winning national championships when we're trying to uphold these standards you know what forget it middle finger to everybody we're not going to care anymore right some and, and i think it would be the same as if notre dame finally says one day overnight we're done putting these academic standards on our players. We're over it. We're tired of losing. 
And they were wrong to have these academic standards in the first place for their players. And so I think that's where Georgia got with, with Kirby Smart. So to add, in Georgia's defense, I guess, is what I'm saying. I think they've gone completely the other way. And they have no idea how to walk that fine line that Nick Saban knows how to walk, which is, again, push the boundaries, you know, certain dis- – as they said about Slytherins in Harry Potter, the good Slytherin has a certain disregard for the rules. I have but, no idea what that means, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to hear your thoughts. Am I being soft on, on the message board and, and via Twitter? Am I just being soft saying that you win two national championships, but your program is running afoul now, possibly of the NCAA, legal authorities, morality when you're drag racing out in the street. And if I'm being soft, tell me. Would you, would you rather have the two championships and people literally getting killed in the street? I think there has to be a better medium than that. And for those that think that, well, what does it matter? You've got Kirby Smart, and he's going to continue to win for the next 20 years. So who cares? This will be a bump in the road. They'll get through it. He'll fix that. Don't Don't be so sure because Nebraska was incredibly dominant in the 90s and then you had Lawrence Phillips you had some other players go awry you've had Miami issues where they were incredibly dominant and NCAA issues threw them off of uh, decades long domination so don't be so sure Georgia fan that's out there that's looking at me saying uh, hey his, his logo's orange you must just be a Tennessee fan and a homer Georgia fan ask yourself if this at some point ends and how it ends, because if you think it ends with Kirby smart doing what Nick Saban is going to do and just riding off into the sunset and everything's fine. I got some bad news for you. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're either going to have a guy who who does get in trouble, who gets burned out. I think Nick Saban's a one in a million. I don't think you're going to have a Kirby smart coach for 20 years and just right off into the sunset. I don't think he'll go to the NFL because of his ties to Georgia, but I, I, I I think there's a great chance that this ends in a negative way for Georgia. Now they may win two more championships before that time, Caleb, but I just think there are some cracks in the foundation there that they should be concerned about. And Georgia fans should be concerned about. Yeah. And I think the best example, ask Florida about this when they rubbed everybody's nose in with Urban Meyer. I mean, they hid behind, don't you remember? We've got a great Christian quarterback. Yeah, but you also got a guy calling black security guards the N-word at country concerts. You got a guy killing people. You got a guy telling his girlfriend it's time twice. to die. Killed Sorry? twice. Killed people twice. <laughs> Killed people twice. Uh, you got a player trying to literally gouge a player's eyes out on the football field. And everyone's like, yeah, I'll suspend him for a half because I'm Urban Meyer and I can do that. And then, and, and then you had Urban Meyer go to Ohio State and say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this guy who was beating his wife and I'm going to put him on my staff. And I don't care because I'm Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is a disgraced name in college football now. Nobody respects him across the sport. Doesn't mean he may not get hired again because he's, he's a bad dude, but he is a great coach. But Urban Meyer has never left, has, did not leave Florida amicably, nor did he leave Ohio State amicably. So it did not end well. The Nebraska thing I'm going to push back. I think Nebraska, I think the triple option was on its way out and 
and and Tom Osborne just found a couple of the right guys to run it in the nineties. Um, but I don't think, I, I think by the nineties, you know, by the time the eighties came in Miami brought in that four, three defense with Jimmy Johnson, Tennessee did the same thing with Larry Lacewell. I think when you started to get athletes to uh, the, the type of athletes you got, I don't think the triple option was long for this world as far as a national championship program was, was. I think Nebraska just kind of hit it at the right time in the mid nineties, if that makes sense. And then they ran against the coach in 97 who did not know how to defend anything, but a standard pro style offense. Well, and, and they got a Tommy Franklin, who was a perfect fit. Uh, Tommy Frazier. Tommy Frazier. Tommy Frazier. Yeah. Excuse me. I mean, he was just the perfect fit. You you could have run that at the same time, and had he not gone to Nebraska, it would have been way different. But that guy was an absolute hoss. I mean, I, but, yeah, I do think they let I, – I think big picture, they, they let discipline slip, which I wonder if that's happening already at Georgia. Tennessee was guilty of that. After they won a championship game, uh, they won the national championship. I think it started to slip at that very moment. I think it slipped from 99, 2000, 2001. And I will still argue you saw it on the field in that 2001 SEC championship game. There was a Julian Battle dropped interception. There was a Dante Stallworth fumble, uh, a Travis Stevens fumble. I think when you run an undisciplined program, as far as how you work with the community, it ends up showing up on the field at some point. Now, you may be so dominant that you overcome that, but I think it ends up showing up on the field. Yeah. I mean, the story that stands out to me, I will not, I forget who wrote the book. Someone wrote a book about the 2005 team. It was called Orange Crush was the name of the book. Um, and they talked about how there was a noticeable oh. difference. Uh, I forgot that book. It's by Darren Epps, worked at the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Okay, that's who it was by? Okay. Well, it was supposed to be a book about how everything was fantastic in 2005. <laughs> and then it collapsed. And, and then it totally collapsed. I was like, Darren, you still writing that book? And he goes, yeah, I guess. Well, it was he's a good in, one. I think he's in logistics now. Well, one of the things I remember was there was a chapter in the book that talked about players from the 90s, like the mid-90s, uh, that played up to the national championship team who would come back for practice in the 2000s talked about a notice noticeable difference in former's demeanor in that he was much less intense with the players by the 2000s just seemed to be a little more like you talk about CEO. I mean, and here's a guy who let Albert Hainsworth chase somebody alpha practice with a 10 foot pole and let him come back into practice after that. Yes. With the, well, he came back with the 10 foot pole. <laughs> so he was escorted from practice and then tried to commit a felony right there on the practice field. And I'll never forget Chris Lowe now of ESPN uh, with the Tennessean at the time, because the rule was you could report on practice as long as you ask about it. You and I have talked about it. So if you said, uh, for instance, uh, uh, it, it looked like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Jason Witten was lined up wide. Uh, do you think you can utilize him as a receiver? The, the rule was, Philip would say, well, no, you don't want to. I don't want that out there. So there were only five trusted reporters, and you knew where it would come from. You can't do that now. There's like 50 dudes that show up over there, half of which I don't know how they got a credential. I guess you can buy them on StubHub. But that was the way things worked. And I remember Chris Lowe of ESPN said, but Philip, what if Albert Hainsworth had have actually hit Will Offenhusel with the bar? <laughs> and there, the classic response and those of you that know me know i don't curse but philip's classic re response is 
damn it, he didn't hit him, Chris. <laughs> but you're right. That was a sign. And did Albert play that week? Yes, he did. And do you think Nick Saban would have let Albert Hainsworth play? I don't know. Because um, I, I don't, I haven't been to hundreds of his practices like I was with Fulmer. So I, I can't tell, I don't, I think he probably would not have played, but I can't remember who they were playing that week. I remember it was cold, so it was probably nobody great. Uh, but I would have to go back and look. But I think Kirby Smart would play him. I think yeah. Kirby Smart would play him. And we know Josh Heupel wouldn't because Josh Heupel suspended Jimmy Banks. Yeah. So in the end, it sounds like I'm being all altruistic. I'm really not. I think it's the best way to run a football program. I I really believe that. I'm not trying to say that Kirby Smart's a bad dude, so he's doing bad things. I think that you, if you're a Georgia fan and you're listening to this, instead of just saying, hey, this guy's got an orange logo, he's a Tennessee homer, you need to be saying to yourself, it's Kirby Smart getting a little loose as far as discipline. And if he is, then you've got to be really, really careful moving forward because it is tough to get that back. You can go from discipline to being a little bit looser, but looser going to discipline is pretty much impossible, and Philip Fulmer found that out no year more evident than 2005. Travis says Saban let a player hit a girl this year, and he played. That, yeah. that was a Tennessee fan, though. If a player hits a teammate, it's different. Saban cares nothing for girls that cheer for other teams. <laughs> Realignment, the pack something, what is it? And the teams that uh, the SEC is most likely to bring in coming up next. Give me two minutes. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off Luke Sports. Sun, sand, and saltwater, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique, 
with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. To the Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. Let's talk a little bit of conference realignment because I think there's some more of that to continue. I don't know that it's going to happen right away. So let's go ahead and get to four downs. Brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate where we will – Dive into some conference realignment. Can the SEC and will the SEC expand anytime soon? Four Downs brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Four Downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. Again, brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Over 40 years of experience right there in Knoxville. And AndyMasonRealEstate.com will save you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Best service, best prices. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. It is that simple. So here's what we're going to do at Four Downs, which is a little bit different. We're going to take some of Greg Sankey's comments uh, on Paul Feinbaum's show. And I'm going to ask you if you believe them or not caleb so here we go are you ready i'm ready and for the record for context this was on an interview he did with fine bomb last friday right okay so um saying i'm sure that was around the uh, sec basketball tournament so um so he says quote i'm not a recruiter and i respect my colleagues when he was asked about oklahoma and texas he said oklahoma and texas approached him not the other way around. First down, do you believe that or nay? I actually do believe that. I'm not saying that the SEC wouldn't have approached Oklahoma or Texas in the past, but if they thought there was a realistic chance of them getting Texas, they'd have approached them over Texas A&M 10, 12, however many years ago. So I think that I actually do believe 
Greg Sinke that Oklahoma and Texas approached the SEC. At the very least, I think Oklahoma might have. And I think the SEC saw blood and was like, oh, we could get Texas if we get Oklahoma. I believe that for the reasons you just said and the leak that Texas and Oklahoma were joining the SEC. It was during SEC media days. The SEC would not have timed it out like that. And it was like with the St. Times Pioneer Press or something um, that broke the story. So I think it came from Texas or and or Oklahoma. And I don't think that uh, Greg Sankey was actively looking for teams. But by the same token, I think the door was open at any point. Second down, uh, Sankey said, we need a time of setting, a time of collaboration. Do you agree with that? In other words, what I was speaking to earlier, and that is that let's, let's let this 12-team playoff settle in and kind of see what happens before you start adding more teams. Do you, do you believe that is his mindset? No, I don't. I think that he is, I think he is thinking ahead, but I don't think if if anything, that's to deter the big 10 from expanding further because he doesn't want them to poach potential teams that they would go for if expansion continued. I'm going to go weak sauce on this and then I'm going to half agree. We need a time of settling a time of collaboration. I think that's true. I think there are some schools, Notre Dame specifically that you would take if they called and you would get it done by this afternoon. So I I don't think that's a hundred percent true, but I do think that's his mindset. Third down. We will be, the 16-team Super Conference starting in 2024. That, according to Greg Sankey, is that statement true, third down? That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. I mean, the SEC, the Big Ten could expand to 24 teams, and the SEC 16 would still be a Super Conference, given the brands that are in that conference. Well, okay, I'm going to disagree, because I don't think that this is – I don't think it's a Super Conference without Big Ten representation. Now, a Super Conference, to me, has representation from all over the country. That's what I define it as. Now, it may be the superest conference, <laughs> if that's not a word, but it be it may be the most Super Conference but and better than the Big Ten, but I would argue that to be a Super Conference of 32 teams, you're going to need – representation from out west you're going to need representation from the big 10 area so i don't think that's a super conference and in the way i vision it envision it uh i don't think 16 teams is it now he also said as far as scheduling format uh one team eight games or three teams nine games with a permanent opponent said the analytics prove that actually brings more competitive balance than uh, divisions do you think that the SEC will have divisions in 2024. I'm going to go first on that. I think that's a heck of a hint that that they're not going to have divisions and they're going to have something else, which is not what we've been led to believe to this point. I don't think anybody knows, quite frankly. I'm pretty sure they're not going to have divisions. I think they think it's, I think they think this is best, but I think he's lying when he said the analytics proved that this makes for a more competitive balance scheduling. No, it doesn't. There's going to be a team if you only play nine SEC games and you're a 10th, that means that there is going to be another team where six of y'all's nine SEC games are different, and yet you get to be in the same standings as them, and you're telling me there's going to be competitive balance in scheduling? For those who don't know, this is actually a 
take back the history. This is how the SEC was before the divisions, and it was horrible. You had you had so many different teams splitting conference championships that avoided playing Alabama in the 70s right. or something like that. That's where we're headed. And I, I, I'm telling you there's going to be a moment where there's going to be a third a team that's third in the SEC that had to play Alabama, Georgia, and LSU when they're all at their best. And there will be two teams that play for the SEC title because they had the two best records and they didn't play either of those, any of those teams. Travis says, but does the South want North teams undermines our identity? Yes, but I think this is bigger than the SEC. And that's where you, you may not like it, Travis or anybody out there listening. It, I believe that I'm not going to call it the NCAA because it made a mess of itself, but there needs to be, uh, let's call it the MC, the mega conference, that it will get to that point that will actually be bigger than the SEC. Right now, I feel like kind of in this ego contest between the Big Ten and the SEC. Eventually, whether that's the old ALNL, like Caleb has brought up in Major League Baseball, or whether they actually come together and they're in the same conference, I believe that will happen. And at some point, I know this sounds insane, but at some point within our lifetime, I I think you'll refer to it as college football, or there might be some name for it, but the conferences, Big Ten, SEC, will be irrelevant. Now, it may go the ALNL way like Caleb's brought up. It may very well do that. But I think at some point, and I think the SEC is going to run it, but I think it'll be called something else, and it'll be a mega conference of 32 to 38 teams. You? Yeah, and, and it, I agree. I think it's going to be more than 32 to 38. I'm going to be honest. Because um, if you if, if it was college football right now, it would be at 32. I think that I, – I actually disagree with you on this route. I think that the SEC can stay regional and compete and outcompete the rest of the country. Now you're right. Notre Dame wants to join. That's a game changer, obviously. But outside of Notre Dame, who outside of states that you would say were from the old Confederacy would be worth add? Would be less worth. Who's a who's a school outside of the old Confederacy that is more valuable than Florida State, Clemson, Miami? one of the North Carolina schools, one of the Virginia schools. I mean, you can stay – if you were to give me, like, the top 10 most valuable schools after Notre Dame, they're all in southern states to me. I was told by a pretty good source that they really want North Carolina, that it it's kind of Notre Dame, obviously, and then you slip down and it's North Carolina, and then it's everybody else that you threw in there. So I was told that North Carolina – if they could ever get out of it, for those that don't know, their contract with the ACC, they would have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to get out of that, which is why you haven't seen ACC teams bolt nearly as much as Pac-10, 12 teams. So uh, I think I think they would like North Carolina. I think if North Carolina picked up the phone today and could get out of their ACC agreement, I think the SEC by 2024, maybe even by 2023, would find a way to take North Carolina and throw in another team to make it an even number. Yeah, well, they, and it's funny. Maryland realized I, I gave Maryland a lot of credit because they're not value. They they don't bring a lot to the Big Ten, but they realized twelve years ago it's worth this exit fee to stay in the Big Ten. They saw way ahead of time to say, "Look, the ACC is going downhill. 
and we're jumping ship and we don't care that the rivalries are going to, that we were part of, we're going to die. We don't care about any of that. We don't care about the exit fee. If North Carolina's smart. They do the same thing. I think I, I, I just, first of all, isn't that hundreds of millions thing? That's like, maybe they are waiting though. Cause isn't it, it's only like till 2030, right? It's like a temporary yeah, contract. But that's seven years away. I mean, good Lord. I'll be pushing 60 by then, Caleb. Yeah. But okay. But, would you really spend a hundred million just for seven extra years? In the, can you get that hundred million back for seven extra years in the SEC? Can you make up the difference of what you're going to get in the ACC? A hundred million in seven years. Dudes get paid a lot more than me to figure that out. Because uh, I'm I, with you. North Carolina is like would, and I, I really want a Virginia school in the SEC too. I, I want a North Carolina and a Virginia school. I think Virginia Tech is such a perfect fit. I think Tennessee and Virginia Tech always should have been a natural rivalry, honestly. Um, SC Scout guy says, could you see a scenario where football breaks away from the other sports, i.e. the SEC remains a conference for basketball and baseball, et cetera, but football is all together? That's exactly what I think will happen. Because it is absolutely stupid <clears throat> that Southern California and UCLA are playing Purdue in basketball as opposed to playing Arizona and Arizona state and Cal, you have those rivalries that we haven't even talked about. Okay. With, with football, that's all we've cared about, but we haven't even talked about the fact that they're throwing all those rivalries away. And, and, you know, there, there's, I know this is much smaller, but there are some places where gymnastics has big rivalries and there, there are other sports besides football. Football is the lion's share. And I get that, but, all these decisions have been made off of football. So, Caleb, I could see football breaking away and you would have the SEC and baseball and basketball. Yeah. You know what's funny? I could, but football's such a driver at that point. If you're the SEC and the Big Ten, why don't you collude and just start it, start it for every sport? Because then you're going to get all the best players in college basketball too. But here's, yeah. the, but here's the thing that's so stupid just logistically. I mean, think about the fact that Southern Cal, their, um, oh gosh, their volleyball team is going to have to fly to Rutgers at some point and play Rutgers. And, On a weeknight. Yeah. And like 100 people will be in the stands and they will have spent 100,000 in travel to and from. That's stupid. That's it, just stupid. I don't use stupid a lot. <laughs> but that's, that's not ignorant. That's stupid. That's logically dumb. It is. It is. It's no dumb. I mean, it's not much dumber than Nebraska already has to travel to Jersey to play Rutgers. I mean, I know there it's further with, with USC, but I mean, you know, this is why, for the record, this is why Hawaii was never in a major conference. Think about it. Teams have to play Hawaii in the Mountain West, WAC, whatever it is. Um, and that's a, you got to on a weeknight fly to Hawaii to play them in a basketball game. <laughs> and so. You know, it, what do you do? I remember the, yeah, I, and I remember they tried to promote that with that duck, and it always go whack, whack. It's bad. Caleb, that was a bad joke. Aflac. Oh, yeah. Whack, whack, whack. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to apologize. Oh, Lord. Yeah, right off the get for that. We might even use the very rarely used rim shot for that. Or just maybe how about, um just by the way that's what the joke is worth it's crickets it's bad take your shots you're gonna miss occasionally 
the funny thing about the Big Ten is people think the think look at the SEC as a traditionalist because they want to be regional, but they can be regional without being traditionalist. The SEC is usually the one that breaks the mold. The Big Ten is the traditionalist. If the Big Ten schools were smart, if, if Michigan were smart, I'm just going to say it, and if Ohio State were smart, they would raise their stadiums and build domes. Because if you if yeah. you want to have the type of team that competes in January where all the games are played in warm weather, they have to construct these power-heavy teams that can compete in the elements that, are, that you see in Big Ten football. And then January comes, and those teams are not built for speed in games in Arizona or Georgia. They're just not. This leads us to another topic I know you wanted to dive into. Is the Pac-12, Big 12 merger even relevant? In a lot of ways, I think that it's not. I, I think it's it's a way for, um, I think it's the way to survive for those teams. But ultimately, if there is a super conference of 32, 38, 48 teams, whatever it's going to be, they're going to cherry pick the teams they want. They're not going to say, oh, we'll take Washington State because we want Washington and they're now in this Pac Big 12 thingy. So we're, we're going to take Washington State. I don't really think it matters long term. You're going to take the teams you want, and you're not going to be forced into taking a team you don't want just because they're in some sort of made-up conference. No, yeah, that's not going to stop them at all. And none of, no team is going to agree to some ridiculous exit fee like the teams with the ACC did to join that conference. So the, I think this Pac-12, Big 12 alliance, more than anything, if it happens – would be to stave off the American poaching some of these. Because right now the Big 12 or Pac-12 could fall to a, a, a group of five conference could overtake them. And so I'm with you. I, I think that, look, th- I'm with you. This is all going to stabilize itself one day. We don't know when, but there's going to be one, one or two super conferences that get the teams they want, and then everybody else, and there's going to be some sort of, I agree, I think ALNL. I think the Big 12 and Pac-12 mergers to position themselves for that, knowing that they're probably going to lose some other teams. Let's be honest, Dave. Oregon's going to the Big Ten. I don't know when. I don't know how it's going to format. Oregon's going to be in the Big Ten before 2030. They just will. And if, well, you're Oregon, if you lose Oregon, how can you even have a Big 12, Pac-12? They're not just going to lose Oregon. They're going to lose Washington. Well, then, I mean, then all this talk is, and that, that's what you, you mentioned. And they're country. going to lose Stanford or Cal, one of those two. Yeah, I mean, th- those are the teams you want. I mean, you, you don't care about Washington State or Oregon State. No. No, you want Oregon because Oregon's a blue blood, and then you want Washington because you get the Seattle market, and you want Stanford or Cal because you get the San Francisco market. And, and, and Elias says zero trust between the, the schools. Yeah, well, the, blame that on Southern California and UCLA. They just gave their big middle finger to everybody. and just Blame it on Larry Seattle. Scott. Larry Scott signed this dumbest TV deal of all time. Uh, the well, commissioner. The, yeah, that that too. But for goodness sakes, I mean, at least at least Texas, Oklahoma was somewhat regionalized and made some sense. UCLA and USC, it was, it was like they were the last people stranded on the Titanic and they just jumped. I mean, they could have stayed there. And I think college football would be better if you had three really good conferences. Um, what do you do actually, with the USC, Dave, though? What do you do? Try to save the Titanic or get on to another ship? Yeah, I'm getting on a lifeboat. I'm getting on that Big Ten lifeboat as soon as I can, and I'm pushing Leonardo DiCaprio off of the door, and he can, <laughs> he can go ahead and fend for himself. 
because I'm sticking right there on that Big 12 plank of wood in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Exactly. It's better than being on the Titanic and getting drugged down. What was it they said that was, I think, probably terrible advice? Stay on the boat as long as you can. No, don't. Get on a lifeboat as quickly as you can. Well, this is, yes, exactly. The Titanic, if you can't get on a lifeboat, yes, stay on a boat as long as you can. But you're right. You get on the lifeboat as quickly as you can. <laughs> um, but, yes, I, I, I agree. I, um, I, I mean, you you got to jump the sinking ship if you can. There is no reason for USC to go down with the ship. When USC, and now I, I will say this, the funny thing is, this is where the Big Ten makes the error. They're, I get it because it helps them with TV markets, but they're still caring. It helps them sell to networks. I think there's more valuable programs long-term than USC. I don't think people care about USC that went to USC anymore. I think Utah is a more valuable college football program than USC. I think I'm right at that age where I'm right in the middle. And it may be partly because my son wants to go there. So we did tour the campus and I got to see, you know, it's a special place and I've been to the Rose bowl. So I think UCLA is pretty special, but I think people slightly older than me, Caleb, they look at, Southern California as being a football powerhouse and can be with the talent you have in the Los Angeles area and South California, Southern California. I think they still view it as that slightly older than me, which would mean you're in your fifties plus. Um, so it, can it be, I, I don't really think so. I don't, I think, and I'm not taking sides on liberal or conservative, but I think it's liberal out there where they're going to be more against football. They're, they're going to be athletes, they're going to play other sports for that reason because they're worried about the head trauma and the head issues. I don't think there's as much of a following. So I think you lose a good percentage of your elite athletes to other sports from the get. And um, I don't think it can ever be an Alabama again, like it once was, a Texas back in the day. I don't think it can ever be that again. But people older than me that I've talked to think that think that that's a possibility. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, I think you gotta, you gotta find like you gotta find a way to make college football intriguing somewhat out there. And here's the thing: you talk about liberal or conservative. One of the problems is college football, and I don't think this is a problem because it works in the South. But college football sticks very heavily to tradition, and that's a good thing for them. But I mean, obviously, conservatives are going to be more likely to care about tradition than the left. That's just the nature of the different, you know, cultural ideas between. Neither one's wrong. Neither one's right. We're not attacking either side. <laughs> But no, but I can tell you that in this area of the country, my mom thought I was crazy for having my son play football, but she was the only mom to voice that opinion. I mean, out of because it's it's a southern thing. You're right. The tradition. Elias says there is a time people would have called Minnesota a powerhouse, too. And they would still be if they hadn't have run uh, Craig T. Nelson out of that job. Coach, do you remember that? I show? did not. I did not know that story. Oh my gosh, they didn't write. He's an actor. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Isn't there a Craig T. Nelson Stadium? What? Isn't there a Craig T. Nelson Stadium, or did I dream that? I don't think so. I think that's Minnesota State, where he coached on the sitcom. Elias laughed, and Travis says, "If you're under 30, USC is insignificant." I'm afraid that Travis thinks I'm younger than I am. I did get a 37-38 at the gym the other day. Somebody said, uh, oh, I uh, heard you mention it's that guy's birthday. It was Monday, by the way. And um, uh, people said, oh, he looks like he's about 37-38. How old is he? And then shrieks of horror. 
Have a fantastic day, everyone. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. I'm at that age where I'm not going to share my age. So, Caleb, great job. We look forward to uh, having a spring preview. Travis says, I'm 49. How did you know that? You're a terrible person, Travis. You're not allowed to be a part of the community any longer. Before you go, I will say one of the the things that helps is I've watched, I'm sorry. We generations get younger per age. I watch, I've looked at old clips of NBA players in the 90s. They all look like they're 75 years old. Okay. They do. They do. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm I'm maybe a little Botox right in the middle from looking like uh 43. That's the goal by the end of the year. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. I have a fantastic day. We'll see what the Vols do. And I remind you that we'll be joined by Fred White on each and every Football Friday with Fred. And we've got the big Celebrate 98 series that's coming into play. So we're excited. A lot's going on. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, everyone. This has been a presentation of Off the Explore. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.